Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from beautiful California, and now I'm living in beautiful Beijing. With me today is Bebe. Yes. Hi. Hi, Jason. How are you? Great. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Good. Um, it's getting hot again in Beijing for some reason. <laughs> I'm really confused. It's September, right? It is. It shouldn't be this warm. I know, but in starting like in the past few days, I feel like, is it me? Is it my hay fever that I'm like having like a mild fever or something? Or is it the weather? And I checked the temperature is over 30 degrees Celsius. Oh. So I guess I'm not that sick. Right. <laughs> it's just I, I could be wrong with it. My memory tells me that, that the weather should have changed by now. Usually by mid mid autumn festival, it should be a little cooler. Oh, wait. And now it's not. Have you heard of the term um, autumn tiger? No, I haven't. I think this maybe this is what it's referring to. Mm. Um, it's like after the fall season has already arrived and mm -hmm. everybody can already feel it. And then but there were there will be a few days of returning heat. Uh -uh. Not as great as, you know, the hottest days in the summer. Oh, great. So you but, like the heat. Well, <laughs> anyhow, so this is like, you know, you'll have a few more hot days. Uh, maybe over 30 and they call this the the autumn or fall tiger wow like coming back to to like kind of scare you once again before returning to the wild for good for another year well thankfully i've never yeah, seen so maybe this is thankfully i've is. never never seen a tiger in real life have you been to the zoo <laughs> i feel like the zoo's not real you know because it's uh, like behind glass okay. it might as well be his lcd screen for me <laughs> So you like, I haven't met him like in person, face to face. Well, imagine you're hiking up the mountain, baby, and suddenly there's a tiger. You're going to have a very different reaction. Your whole body, uh -huh. you know, you're like your hormones and your skin. It's all going to go like, ah, uh oh, <laughs> I think I think my reaction, I, I think I'll just freeze because I've been in not like really similar, but close to it. Mm. Uh, I probably mentioned this in the show. Like mm. it was in South Africa. And I bet it was a hyena, but actually some kind of like really large dog slash wolf. Kind <laughs> yeah, of that thing. sounds like a hyena. It's it's very it's much bigger than I thought, and we were very close. <laughs> we yeah, were yeah. like separated by a kitchen counter. It was like grills on the other side and me on this side. But thankfully, I think the meat on the other side smells so much better <laughs> than me being raw at all. <laughs> so, but at that moment, I just completely froze. Like, n no movement. I couldn't even make a sound. I tried. Wow, wow. But, so. Well, actually, this is a perfect segue in today's topic, which is like mm. Chinese and English idioms. And I've, oh. I've, I'm looking through the idioms that we have in our list. A few of them are actually about tigers. So. Oh, okay. You want to start? I do, actually. Let I me think. So you're talking about Chengyu, aren't you? What is Chengyu? Chengyu is like these Chinese idioms that are mostly for characters. Mm. So you'll he hear people say like, uh, 乱七八糟. Why is it so messy? This is 乱七八糟. Or 
my heart is going up and down. That's like wow. 七上八下, or they're like they're a gazillion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have four books so. of them. It's like impossible to learn them all. And some of them are actually modern. They've been written in the last few years. Like so. Why do you have those? Is it like homework from summer? I bought them to te- to teach myself, but then I realize, and re- when I'm reading them, that the individual characters in most of these idioms I don't know, mm-hmm. and so it makes it really mm-hmm. too hard because it's like. I don't know. It is not. Uh, maybe I'm just la- lazy. Maybe I'm lazy. I wanted to start with this one. It's a dueño tantin. Oh, plucking the um, like zither or something in front of a cow. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is there's a very, I saw a viral like YouTube video mm-hmm. of, of a girl playing the flute hmm. and pl- she's just standing there by the side of a fence and there are no cows present at the time. And she starts playing the mm-hmm. flute and all the cows in the field rush over to listen to her performance. Seriously. This actually, the, the idiom means the opposite of that <laughs> from what I, from what I understand. Right. <laughs> uh, the, the idiom means like you're wasting your uh your talent on someone that doesn't understand so like someone who may be ignorant about a topic and you're talking about a complex topic and they don't get right oh that's like what casting pearls in front of a swine i was gonna say the same (gasps) thing i'm sorry jason for stealing your no no i was gonna say that sounds exactly like that you don't cast your pearls before swine that's exactly it right yeah that comes from the new testament it means not to waste your breath on people who aren't gonna listen to your brilliant ideas yeah nice oh so today is gonna be all about fun idioms and literary fun today (laughs) that's unexpected all right i have to like i don't want the folks the folks at home who are you know not Mm. chinese speakers to be scared this is not a chinese lesson i really i really think it would be the Mm. best use of our time to talk about how our cultures are very similar Mm -hmm. and that a lot of these idioms how you can understand right away language defines us so these these idioms that jump around a lot of the same idioms have jumped around from like even even very simple things like uh see you soon or mm-hmm. see you tomorrow. That oh. actually, Ming Tian Jian. Yeah, that comes from Chinese. And like a lot of words oh. in English, like the word loot, mm. which means to steal or rob, mm. comes from Hindi. So the oh. British, when they were like in India, they borrowed this word. So a lot of these idioms have actually have jumped around from language to language already. Is there anyone that you are very familiar with, like Chinese ones? Maybe because... Your wife says it all the time. I know the English equivalent, like the translation of it. So I know it like frog in a well. This one is used in politics a lot Mm. to mean someone who doesn't understand the real world and just sees a small sliver of it. So like the frog is down in the bottom of the well. So its entire world looks like a well. And then there's some sky and that's it. Mm -hmm. So like if you take the frog out of the well, they'll be overwhelmed with what they don't understand. So a lot of politicians who Mm. like uh, say something very narrow mindedly will be accused of being a frog in the well because they don't understand the bigger picture. I think that's a big problem for us humans because in some ways we're all like that Mm. because we understand the world and we construct our theories and logic you know within the confines of our understanding of the world mm. that sounds very confusing well what i mean is we all have our own <laughs> wells and sometimes we think that's the mm. entire universe and then we make sense of things from what we have what we have seen in the wells only but that's not all and uh but the thing is we don't know that we're in the well. actually that you know that reminds me of another phrase if i could it's it's not a phrase it's a modern quote mm. i think it's colin powell is an american politician soldier mm. he said there are known knowns unknown known unknowns and unknown unknowns uh, and he's, i think he said this in around 2001 or so 2002 and what and he, he meant by that, that. <laughs> 
Well, what he means is that there are things you know you know. There are mm. things you know you don't know. Right. And there are things you don't know that you don't know. Right. And I think that's the most of information in the world are things we don't know we don't know because there's so much information. Mm. Can you still repeat that? Yeah, sure. There are, what he said. There are known knowns, mm-hmm. known unknowns. And mm. unknown unknowns. Unknown unknowns. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me of something um, I read in a book. Mm. I think it's from The Psychology of Money. Mm. And I mentioned it, uh, I think, a few weeks ago because I was reading it. Um, and the author, he was observing, observing his daughter, who was, I think, one and a half at that mm. time. And he sees how her daughter, uh, his daughter makes sense of the world. Mm. Um, based on all that she knows at one and a half. Mm. And of course, that compared to what we already know, right, in our Mm -hmm, 30s and mm -hmm, 40s, mm -hmm. we know that they know very little. (laughs) But they will make sense of what they see using their own theories Mm. constructed from the background. They they have experience. Mm. And then the author, the father, later realized that he was also the same, Mm. except that he was... A little older, and his sphere of understanding is bigger than his daughter's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, in general, they were still the same. They were still understanding it within a limited range. Mm-hmm. But by the time we are adults, we think we know so much. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't. Well, the daughter, one and a half daughter, doesn't realize that she knows little, right? And and same for us. I want. I want to add something. This is this is maybe too far. Mm-hmm. There's a this idea in philosophy called the noumena and the phenomena. Mm. So the phenomena are the things you can hear, see, touch, mm. taste, you know, smell in the world. So the things you can actually understand mm. about matter and d- dark matter and energy and dark energy around us and in us and in the universe. And then the noumena are the things that we don't have oh. senses to detect. So they're real aspects of the universe happening mm. that are part of the universe. But humans have no way of understanding them because there's mm. no sensing data coming in about those things and so in a way even if you could understand everything in the universe there is to see smell hear taste touch you still wouldn't understand the universe with only our five senses i read it somewhere else that the senses that we have um are enough for our survival (laughs) and the information that we receive through these senses are you know enough for our survival that's what that's why they're designed this way but that's about it so in other words we don't sense or see uh, or receive information that we don't absolutely need mm-hmm. in a way. But other species, um, I think the book mentioned frogs yeah. or other animals, they have other sensing abilities yeah, yeah. that we don't have because their survival depend on that. For example, I think they were saying how the frogs, they can sense like lumps, like black dots or like shapes um, so they can see bugs Mm. flying toward them as like a dot of black shadow or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's enough for them. They don't need to know the bug is black <laughs> or that bug is green. They just need a shape that's moving towards them. Mm. And and then they get food. But of course, we see more colors mm. and that's more helpful to us. But in the other species, they have other abilities that we don't have, mm-hmm. but they depend on it. Yeah. So I think that what we take away from that is that um, we cannot think that what we know is all there is to know. Probably just like tiny, tiny sliver of all that's out there, just so that, you know, we can live on generation after generation. Wow. You know, I had no idea that we could take frog in a well so far. <laughs> well, I, I don't even remember <laughs> the frog in the well. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
at what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. Online, on air, and on your phone. Take today wherever you go and stay ahead of what's changing our world. From politics and the economy to business and technology, today covers regional and international issues that affect China and the world. Keep up to date with today. You're listening to the Bridge. So, can I contribute something? Absolutely. I found this website. There are so many websites about Chinese idioms because、mm. there are so many yeah, of them.、Yeah. I mean, like we used to study them in school. I, I think only the ones that we use more often、um, kind of remain because we forget a lot of those. But I found a bunch、mm. that are related to numbers. You know that numbers、mm-hmm. in Chinese culture they can carry special meanings. I want to add to that.、Right? I was、mm-hmm. trying to write a chapter about Chinese and、sure. numbers, and the more research I did, the more I realized that、mm. it's not always the same. So, like、uh, Cantonese speakers, their association with numbers is slightly different than Mandarin speakers because some of the sounds、mm. have different like relationships with other words in、mm. Cantonese, in Mandarin, and in Cantonese. So there's a, a little bit of a nuance. Difference between what some numbers kind of、right. mean, because yeah, they sound very different. But I think in Cantonese, one of their favorite number is eight,、mm. because it sounds like it sounds like fa, which means to to prosper,、mm. you know, to have good fortune in in money、mm-hmm. in wealth.、Um, and I just thought of something. <laughs> so if let's say you get a bike and you put a little, if you don't want your bike to get stolen,、mm-hmm. you can、uh, make a little like license plate for yourself, and all you need to do is put a bunch of fours <laughs> on the license plate, and no one will touch your bike. Well, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, or your car, <laughs> for that matter. Actually, we got. You'll be very. My、soon. wife was a. We we were shopping for phone numbers, and we wanted phone numbers that had our like birth years and stuff like that in them.、Oh. And the best way for us to do that was to include the number four in the other extraneous numbers because a. <laughs> A lot of people will try to avoid phone numbers with the number four in them. Well,、right. Can you tell us why that is, baby? Oh, you don't you didn't know about that?、Oh, I know, but I want our listeners to know. Yeah. So,、uh, in in Chinese, number four sounds like si, which sounds very similar to si, <laughs> and the second one si is. To die. Yeah. <laughs>、uh, so you don't want a bunch of to die, to die, to die, to die. Right. Your license plate. So essentially,、Maybe. four is the baddie in Chinese culture. 
tries to find out why. It's really funny to me because uh, I noticed this too. Like lots of advertisements have eights and nines and sixes in right. them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in America, or I guess in most of the West, the number six is a bad number because why? in the book of Revelation, the monster that comes to eat the world at the end of the world is, is the numbers, has the number 666 associated with it. So huh. everyone's scared, especially of three sixes. So you see lots of three sixes here oh. and they're like, yeah, yay, luck, lucky right. three sixes. But <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. There's even an icon. Well, we sent text messages. Mm. There's this icon where the little face has a hand made into a number six. Mm. And then this, it's the same as when you try to imitate some, someone making a phone call. Mm. That's like number six in Chinese. Uh, I, I don't think it's sign language, but that's how we signal six with our hand yeah yeah you mean you mean the, like the the uh what how's it going kind of thing the why um, like no number six when we do number six with our hand gesture mm-hmm. you yeah. fold your uh fingers in the middle three fingers in the, three and middle, then stick yeah. out your thumb and pinky so that's number six in america if you do that it means like whoa what's up or like how's it going or like i'm so oh. happy and cool yeah it has a totally different oh you kind of wave it in front yeah, of your chest yeah. that way right yeah. oh <laughs> yeah so here it means six and if you put it like up to your close to your face like when you're making a phone uh. call <laughs> um and there's this icon you can check it out when you send text messages and there will be like three sixes uh. on the forehead or on the side of the forehead and that's like some, something okay cool 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 <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> our way of saying something goes really well it's really cool so six is a safe number here in china mm. um it's just it, it i think it means some things goes things go smoothly mm-hmm. like no trouble and as you mentioned number eight and we said fa um it sounds like eight in cantonese and that means good fortune mm. you have lots of money and nine I don't, I haven't really studied this. You know about nines? Okay, go I know why. Well, I can't, I can't quote the passage from the Tao Te Ching, but there's a passage in the Tao Te Ching that says, first there was one, which made two, which made three, three made nine, and then the rest of the universe. So like, that's a paraphrase of the passage, which basically means like, there was a magic that was going on in like the um, I Ching kind of like, at the beginning of the universe and nine was like the last number before everything ended up getting made. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, another reason why is because the way it sounds. So I, I suppose phonetically, jiu, mm. it also means something lasting, mm. um, like for a mm. long time. So, you know, people will like to get married on a date with number nine. Mm. Like, let's say September 9th or something, you know, both on the lunar calendar or the, what is it, Gregorian? Yeah, that's correct. Gregorian. Yeah, calendar. Because me, nine, just, you know, it's it's lasting, it's forever. Mm. Um, So that's a good number. Yeah. And the others, I mean, they're, I guess they're okay. The only one that we have trouble with is number four. <laughs> <laughs> Does seem like the case. Yeah. I have another one, a phrase. I want to be lazy sometimes in my life. Uh. I have a lot of friends who offer me opportunities like, oh, why don't you come work for this company? Or why don't you do export and things like that? And I, sometimes I just mm. say no. And the reason mm-hmm. is really laziness. Like it, that sounds like a lot of whole work and getting into a whole new thing. So this is the phrase I found. Oh. So it means 
content with one where, where one is. Like the idiom is used to describe those who are content with the way things are and not eager to make progress, which is not entirely true. I, I like where I am and su- being successful mm-hmm. at writing books and making blogs and vlogs and mm. talking with you on this wonderful radio show. Sometimes there are other opportunities. And I think I don't need to do an import export business right now. <laughs> I think the question is not about laziness. It's that you're not interested. Mm. I've done things that I was not mm. interested in. And after my contract was up, I would never do that again. It's It has nothing to do with whether or not, you know, I'm lazy or I was lady, lazy. It was just not my thing. It was just, it was torture going to work psychologically and physically. Mm. So I think, yeah, don't think you're lazy. When you do a lot of work, right? If you say you want to write uh, blogs about things you're interested in, you'll be probably be up for the night. In this story, I have it here. It says, once upon a time, a certain man wanted to go on to a distant place. Mm. He set off on his journey, but he kept on walking in circles. After a long time, he thought he must have traveled a great distance. However, he looked around and found that he was still in the same place he started from, which is the Mm. So like, essentially, he's working really hard, but he's just staying in the same area. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, you started with with one idiom that's... um, you know, that's pretty advanced already. It, wow. This is not one of those that we use on a daily oh, basis. Oh, okay. You want a few that you can actually use? Absolutely. <laughs> T- teach me the okay. ones that are relevant. <laughs> okay. Well, here's a, here's a good one. I'm going to start with a really good one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned the good numbers. Mm-hmm. Here is a perfect number. Mm. And it is 10. 10. 10 means, well, in Chinese, it's 十, mm-hmm. right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So mm-hmm. 10 is 10. Mm-hmm. 10 is like, you know, things are perfect. Mm. It's, uh, it's round. It's it's perfection. And the idiom goes 十全十美. It means to be perfect in every way. 十天全 is you have everything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's lacking. Mm. And may, you know this word. Beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah. So it's like 10 perfection and 10 beautiful. But beautiful here doesn't just mean appearance. Mm-hmm. But it, in a whole sense, like everything is, you know, nice and um, just wonderful in a way. Mm. Yeah. So 十全十美, mm. to be perfect in every way and is used to describe Something that's complete and good and just impeccable. So yeah. you say this is a common phrase. So could you give us, uh, our listeners, uh, one or two examples when people might say this? Well, you can say it as a compliment, right? If something off, uh, somebody offers you, let's say, a job opportunity, mm-hmm. and it's perfect for you. And then you can say it's, wow, 十全十美, I've, like, I, have, I can't find any fault with it. Mm. Or he has a wonderful family, you know, his... Uh, both his parents, two sets of parents, they get along mm. nicely. Everybody lives in harmony as uh, a son and a daughter and, mm. you know, a beautiful wife. That's 十全十美. Wow, yeah, yeah. So I wish you a 十全十美的家庭, you know, a perfect family. Yeah. So this is an easy one. And also, are you a neat person? A neat person. Oh, my gosh. Are you neat? I'm the opposite of neat. I'd probably drive you crazy, baby. <laughs> no, because I'm I'm like that, too. I'm like about Really? I assumed you were perfect. Your house must be. In, that's my no. image of you in my head. Because no. it's not that I don't like it. 
It's about how much energy you want to, like, you know, <laughs> spend on certain things. Well, I take the garbage out every day, but that's about, yeah, you know, I, there's a, I have a certain level of cleanliness. Right. <laughs> I think everybody prefers that their living environment is nice and clean. Mm. The only problem is that somebody's got to do the work, mm. right? If I can hire somebody to, you know, five hours a day, help me clean this place up. Sure. <laughs> but You mean five five hours one day, you every day? <laughs> what are you doing that creates that much mess? <laughs> the mess. <laughs> the mess I'm in it probably take that much time. Um, so here is a word that you might hear mm. from mm-hmm. your wife, if that's the case, but you probably never known what she meant. And this is very commonly used. It <gasps> means um, things are at sixes and sevens. Is there such a phrase? At sixes and sevens? You know, sevens? there is. I, I actually don't Something know like what that. it means. I think it's from a song. There's like a famous rock song that says sixes and sevens. Okay. But here, the Chinese term in the Chinese term is actually seven and eight. So there is a messy seven and a crabby eight. Crappy eight. <laughs> That's what this term means. Mm. Um, describes a situation or a place where everything is in disorder or in a mess. <laughs> you know, I can, I probably say this uh, often to my daughter, but I don't even, I say it so much, I probably don't even realize it. Mm. Um, so next time you hear this, you know, especially from your wife, you know what she's complaining about. Uh-huh. <laughs> so seven and eight is associated with this word. And close to that, there's another term. Qi shang ba xia. Qi means seven is going up and eight is going down. Wow. And that refers to this like unsettled um, state of mind. Mm. Like you were agitated about something. Like you're anxious and worried and your heart goes up and down, up and down. How do the numbers come into the meaning? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, because we are so familiar with these terms that, you know, we never thought about, oh, where did this come from? We just accept it the way it is. So seven mm-hmm. and eight, they're kind of um, in messy numbers, <laughs> I suppose. Except eight is a is also a good number. Mm. Yeah. So qi shang ba xia means your heart is fluttering. I have one I think is really interesting because it does exist in the West. And I'm wondering, maybe I, mm. I don't have the the etymology mm. of the of the words, but I assume it comes from Chinese now. So it's mang ren mo xiang. Oh yeah. Oh, you said that really nicely. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, just, I'm reading the tones, not the characters. So I'm, I have the opinion. No, you are. You sound even like professionals recording it. Wow. Thank you. That's very, they're very high compliment. You nailed it. Cool. You nailed it. So <laughs> this is about a group of blind men gathered around an elephant, feeling the different parts of the elephant. And so they, one feels the tail and they say, oh, it's long and like, you know, skinny. And, or they, one touches the tusk. It's very sharp and mm. it protrudes and super smooth. And one touches the ear and they're like, it's big and floppy <laughs> and kind of. So like they all describe the elephant. They all think they understand the elephant, but they all. None of their descriptions match one another's. It's like the frog. Can't yeah, they it have the, the exactly. They yeah. have the same co- phrase in English. Oftentimes, people talk about being in a room with no lights, trying to and feeling an elephant. Oh. So I think the the English like uh, cultural discussion about the the elephant in the dark room must come from this ancient, more ancient it, Chinese idiom about the blind men touching the elephant. But there is another phrase in English 
That's just like the, the elephant in the room. Mm, yeah. Right? Well, that's yeah. This is a different phrase. There are a bunch of elephant ones. The, the elephant in the room is something you can't. No one talks about, but it's huge. So like maybe recently your sister got divorced. Mm. So you're talking with your sister about the weather and about her favorite TV show. Anything to right. avoid talking about like the divorce because it's hard to talk. You about. know, it's it's hard to talk yeah. about. So we call it the elephant in the room. There's another one elephant in a, in a China tea shop. Oh. Yeah, it means someone or some idea that is in a delicate place Mm. and is probably dangerous. So Mm. and someone clumsy. Yeah, can be has a lot of different meanings. It has a rainbow of uses. So it can refer to a clumsy person in a delicate area or can also just mean like a dangerous idea, Mm. like in the wrong context. I see. We'll make a huge mess. Mm. Something that would make a huge mess. Um, Can I can I go back, squeeze in a few more numbers? Sure, absolutely. Go for it. Because I um, I found some more beyond one to ten mm. so there are ones with uh, the word a hundred right and then with thousands and tens of thousands mm. and here's a good one um the opposite of getting a divorce this one is oh such a good word just saying it it means uh it's a common wedding greeting it means that you two will live uh, happy and long life together, mm. and it gave it gives an exact number, which is a hundred years. Mm. <laughs> so, it's like you two will be stuck together for the next hundred years. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, not that way. <laughs> um, 百年 means a hundred years. Hao mm. means harmony. Hao is good. You know that one. Right? I, I, it sounds like good drink. Hao It's like this. Hao he. Hao he is the first tone. Uh, so it's flat. Hao uh, uh. That's the second tone. It goes up a bit. It sounds mm. a little different. Mm. So this is a beautiful word. Bai nian hao he. You two will not just, not only will you be together for a hundred years, but you'll be together peacefully, you know, mm. in harmony, mm, mm. which is so valued uh, in Chinese culture. Mm. You know, next time you're invited to... A wedding, you know, besides bringing a red envelope stuffed with cash, you can also say this in your greeting. <laughs> I wish you guys 百年好合. They'll be impressed. You know, as a married person, mm. and I'm ha- I'm happily married, mm. I have to say that's very unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, well, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. You know, the tragedy with a lot of people who get divorces, I think, comes from the fact that they can't overcome the fact that fighting is a necessary, realistic part of marriage. Mm. And you have to accept that sometimes things are not going to be perfect. Right. And not just sometimes, but <laughs> it's part of part of life but it gets yeah. better if you both of you work together right yeah if you can go through many fights i think eventually you kind of achieve you get like a the other person yeah yeah better and better and better and the fights can continue like arguments about important things to each mm. but i think this this is something that's important to me i, I i'm sad to see that society that marriage is breaking down in society mm. and i think that people really need to understand that no matter how angry you are in a particular fight, this is a natural part of the course of two people spending that much time together. Right. And that mm. the outcome will be that you're even more comfortable with that person, you know, down the line. And I think it has a lot to do with expectations, mm. right? It's possible to stay together for a hundred years, but it's not going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's not going to be just a joyful ride. And you, you know, lucky you too. Um, most of the time, <laughs> It it doesn't work like mm. that. So as you said, I think that what you said is a really uh, good warning, quote unquote, um, for people, you know, maybe thinking about getting married. Mm. 
It takes work. Mm. I mean, think about uh, your parents and, and, and kids, right? You and your parents. I mean, they love you with all their lives, but there were time, there will be times and there will be times when, you know, you guys are going to fight, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? They're going to pick at your faults and uh, say nasty things. Um, doesn't mean they don't love you, right? It's just part of the process. Mm. But 100 years is a long time, I have to say. And oh, But the good thing is, I have to mention, not only that with time, you get to know each other better and with understanding, um, there will be less conflicts. Sometimes it just takes mm. that much to understand the other person, uh, to get to know them. But the thing, good thing is, you will both get older. Mm. And when you get older, you get tired more easily. And then you're not going to have as much energy to fight. Wow. Wow. That was, that's, I'm serious. that's not where I thought this was going. But that, I mean, I think that makes sense too. <laughs> it's not philosophical, <laughs> but by a certain point, things are, those conflicts that you thought were so important that your, you know, a marriage hangs on it. On it. Uh, 10 years later, it's not going to, agitate you as much because you're so tired you don't care about that anymore <laughs> you have other things to worry about you have kids that you have to raise mm. so yeah i mean it's difficult but um it's it's worth it mm. i think different stage of the marriage will teach us different things yeah I got another phrase I want to run by us. Uh, So this this one is like very common in English. So I think actually this only jumped over into uh, English in the last 10 or 20 years. So this shows Mm. how, you know, closely, you know, Chinese culture and Western culture are intertwined. Mm. This is called killing the chicken to frighten the monkeys. So so we say this in English, too, now. And this straight comes Mm. from Chinese and it comes recently from Chinese into English. And this means, you know, you kill the chicken while the monkeys are watching so that they are terrified. So this means doing a small like a small thing Uh that might end up causing other other people or incidents to stop because they're afraid of the consequence. Oh, um, this reminds me of a video. Actually, there's a bunch of these videos that went viral. This is for helping, like, feeding kids, feeding younger kids, toddlers. Because mm. uh, you know how sometimes they don't like to eat, right? Yeah. And they try to feed them. They're like, rah, 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 they don't Here eat. comes the choo-choo. Choo-choo. <laughs> when yeah. that doesn't work either, mm. then I've seen videos where the parent would take, grab, like, a toy. Wow. Say, uh, like, stuffed animal. Mm. And pretend that he was feeding the stuffed mm-hmm. animal. And then the stuffed animal will pretend, I don't want to eat this. And it turns its face. And then the parent would smack the stuffed animal so hard. Oh, man. Like, throw it on the floor. Throw it in the garbage. <laughs> and then, you know, comes back as if nothing has happened. And face smiling and all peaceful. And it will try to feed the toddler again. And usually it works. And this, the toddler will be like... <laughs> to all of our listeners, the bridge officially wants you not to try this at home. I know. Wait, so, by the way, I actually saw a similar uh, similar video. This is like a, there was a, a cat. Uh-huh. And it's... It's pushing something. It's about to finish pushing it off of a table oh. with its paw. Like it's a glass. Mm. And there's an old lady with white hair and she's holding a pan and she has a stuffed animal. Oh. So she puts the stuffed animal in the pan and pretends she's cooking it. <gasps> and, then, and then they show the cat again. And the cat literally uses its paw to pull the glass <laughs> back to the center of the table. See? I think this I think it's edited, edited together to make it look like this is actually what <laughs> the cat got it. But I think yeah. cats are smart enough to figure that out (laughs) i I think it's possible 
But the other one with the toddler, with the baby one, I think it works. They they get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely don't do that at home, guys. Don't do it. Why? Do you think <laughs> they'll get like scarred psychologically? Um, I just want to make sure that we're on air- airing on the proper side <laughs> of things here. <laughs> OK, <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> bunch of other numbered related mm. ones. Go for it. Here is another one. Liang Quan Qi Mei. It's using the number two. Mm. So Liang is also see number two gets complicated. Mm. Sometimes it's R, right? And sometimes it's Liang. Yeah. Or sometimes it's yeah. Liang. <laughs> What? When is it? When is it? Liang? I didn't even know. This is something I've learned today. Okay. When you say us, like you and I, right? You can say it's a Liang. To us two. So here, the two sounds like lia. Mm. Uh, or you two. Uh, ni lia. It's, it's adding uh, this word two besides you two. But it sounds very colloquial. Like it's a very friendly way mm. of saying things. Uh, you wouldn't say it to your boss, right? Um, so this is uh, the what at least the third sound for number two. Mm. And usually when you're counting, it's one, two, E, R, mm, right? Mm, R, mm-hmm. R, hall means number two. And then there is um, mm. Liang, which sounds very close to the first one that I mentioned. And this is like more like a formal way. So you would say Liang Kuaixian, which is like two RMB. You wouldn't say R Kuaixian. <laughs> if you say R Kuaixian... <laughs> People will look at you as, mm, if, mm-hmm. huh. <laughs> well, you, you'll you be fine because they can tell that you're not raised born in China. I think I actually know now. The third one, Lia, is like Niemann Liad. Some- yeah, 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 exactly. So it's it's a very casual way of saying number two. Um, So here is um, Liang Quan Qi Mei. It's also the number two. Quan, as we mentioned, is like complete, right? There's nothing lacking. Qi Mei, here comes Mei again. Mm-hmm. So this is a very good term, Liang Quan Qi Mei, to get the best of both worlds or to satisfy both sides. And it's similar to, let's say, killing two birds with one stone, except you elevate that a little. It's like feeding two birds with one worm or something like that. Mm. Yeah. So Liang Quan Qi Mei, like you thought of a really good idea that will make both sides happy. It's like the idiom killing two birds with one stone. Which is Chinese, by the way. Oh, 一石二鸟. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 一箭双雕. Oh, 一箭双雕. Exactly. Wow. Jason, yeah, yeah. you've been studying hard. I was getting ready for this, this conversation. <laughs> oh, well, but the, well, that's a very efficient crash course. <laughs> um, but this one, 两全其美, is even better than that. You know, it's almost like saying feeding two birds with one one word mm, like mm, you solve mm. two problems beautifully perfectly with this one solution mm. um or you uh took care of both parties and they're both happy so that's liang quan qi mei usually used to describe like a really good idea mm. Mm. i find these nice terms very soothing even the sound of them like shi quan shi mei liang quan qi mei hopefully you'll get to use them mm. have chances to use them yeah well hopefully i will try mm. you know i'm gonna set out my first one is going to be to try to use Sure, Chuan, sure, May, mm. because le- I think that one stuck in my head somehow. Yeah. But I have one uh, that reminds me of a lot of Western phrases. So there's a uh, Yu Gong Yi Shan. Oh. 
So it's about right. a, about an old man trying to move a mountain because the mountains between his one, his home and one of his friends or family's home. Hmm. So he decides to move the mountain. He begins moving small pebbles a few at a time. Mm-hmm. And someone else says, well, this is, you know, you're never going to move this mountain. He says, well, I'll have two sons and they'll mm-hmm. have two sons. And it'll, maybe they won't get moved in my lifetime. But, you know, down the line, eventually the mountain will be finished. Right. And so, yeah, you know, my culture, we also have the idea of moving the mountain a little bit at a time mm. as well. Um, that's a very well-known Chinese folk, folk tale, I guess you can call it, or like a fable. Mm. And the man's name, Yugong, means a silly man. I mean, his idea would seem pretty silly to most people. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah. when this happened, he was like in his 90s. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, Which, you're not going to be able to succeed at this, sir. Yeah, his <laughs> wife was really worried. You're 90 years old. And how are you going to move these two mountains? Because uh, the mountains blocked his house from the rest of the world, literally. Like they couldn't, all they could see was this side of the mountain. And he felt like it cuts off the opportunities for his future generations. Um, so, and he probably didn't have a lot of other urgent things to do anyway. So they uh, he convinced everybody, just as you said, with his logic. Mm. And they also, you know, uh, there was the problem of where to put all the rocks and dirt, <laughs> right? Because you're like moving one mountain and you dumping it into another. And they, the crazy idea they thought of was to dump all the dirt and rocks in a sea that's not too far away. Mm. So yeah, so, you know, the land will be flat. And of course, the end of the story, he didn't literally move the mountains, um, but his perseverance and his dedication and diligence moved the gods. It gets a little complicated because it kind of it was encroaching on the territories of the mountain gods, which got angry. And um, and they reported to the heavenly king, you know, like the like God, basically, in Chinese uh, mythology. The Jade Emperor. Some, yeah, yeah, the Jade Emperor. And he was very moved. So he sent uh, some of these, what would, like, or someone with strength, like one of the gods with super strength, mm, mm, mm. and just moved the mountains on his back. So, wow. yeah. It's, uh, the fable is taught to kids to tell them that uh, perseverance is a good quality, uh, but maybe you can pick your projects <laughs> more carefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I'm in my 90s, I think I'll be playing video games. So. <laughs> okay. Maybe by that time, they will have, uh, there, there'll be better things to do. Maybe video games will go out of style hmm. in, what, like 40 years. Who knows what's going to, you know, what fun they're going to have in 40 years. I'll still be reading, most likely. <laughs> so my question is, if you're 90, you say right now we're mm. we're fairly young, you know. So we reading helps us become <sighs> more successful at life. Each time we mm. learn a new idea, a new turn of phrase, a new uh, concept, or read a new book, we can apply that in our daily interactions with people or at work or at our job. Mm. But when you're 90, you're just reading for fun because there's not much you're going to be able to apply that to anymore. Well, maybe I'll be writing who knows but i i actually read for fun Mm. like learning is a side product Mm. there are really literally very few things i can think of that i think are more fun than reading i actually can't think of any (laughs) at this moment on this spot i mean but there are fun things to do like playing with my stationery or i don't know like shopping for (laughs) stationeries 
But as you can see, my world is limited. <laughs> you know, I agree with you. I love reading too, but I also like <laughs> watching movies. Watching movies is a big part. You know, my parents, mm. we grew up, they had a wall of videotapes. And so we were constantly as a family watching videos together, like Steve Martin and Dan mm. Aykroyd, all of these like 1980s comedies and things. Mm -hmm. So that always stuck with me. When I watch a movie today, it's not just because I like watching the movie. It gives me a feeling of family, mm. you know, like, you know, like sitting on the carpet in the room with my parents watching a video when I was a child. Nice. Yeah. Well, the reason why I haven't been watching films and videos as much is that I don't want to feel too like I don't want anything to rock my boat. In a way. Oh, yeah. You know, I get so emotional uh, um, when I watch good movies. Mm. I get into it or like listening to uh, music and I get so involved in it mm. that, you know, who is going to wash the dishes? <laughs> or, can I can I tell you a sad story? Sure. I want to. OK, so there's a movie out in China right now. It's very popular. It's called it's called Moon Man. Wait. Moon it's called Moon Man. It's about it's a comedian. He's a famous comedian in China. Oh. And he, he gets trapped on the moon because he's listening to music when there's a massive evacuation and he's oh. the only one that doesn't make the escape. So oh. my, my wife thinks I'm really silly because this movie's supposed to be just funny. Oh. And, and there's a scene where he is using a donkey who's in a donkey or no, no it's not a donkey i'm sorry Kang, he's using a kangaroo who's in a kangaroo spacesuit uh -huh. who's pulling him in like a space sled across the moon and they have to jump over a giant hole uh crater uh -huh. in the moon uh -huh. and as they're jumping through the crater he ignites uh these rockets on the back of his uh vehicle what? and they, they help <laughs> They help push him and the kangaroo sled across the crater. And this is supposed to be a funny, silly moment. Uh -huh. But for whatever reason, just like you're saying, I ha was very connected to the story and uh -huh. the character. And I actually started crying. Aww. And my wife looked over at me and was like, what's wrong with you? You are crying at this? <laughs> was, yeah, exactly. Oh, you know what? I've seen promotions, like trailers about this film. It's a great mo but, movie, yeah. And I remember uh, they were saying how the actor for the kangaroo Mm. Like he's somewhat new in the field mm. and he actually practiced for months mm. for this, for this role, for this role as a kangaroo. <laughs> like he studied the way the animal moves and uh, he practices, you know, really hard to imitate the way he kangaroos jump. Like he was very, very dedicated, mm. dedicated mm. to this role. But I didn't really know that's what the story was about. But it's a little sad, huh? Well, they're listening to music and everybody went and he was like all alone. It's mostly not supposed to be a sad movie. I just like you, I get so deep into what's going on in the story mm. that like their emotions become my emotions. Well, that's good. That's that means you're empathetic. You know, you can feel how other people feel. And, and I guess different things touch us, rob us differently, right? Mm. Um, but I just feel like at this stage of my life, I want to be more rational and calm so I can get everything done. Mm. But I can totally envision that, let's say when my daughter uh, is grown and, you know, in college and um, she's on her own and I'll have more time, I'll probably, you know, spend, uh, I'll probably watch a movie every day mm. and just to make up for that time. Mm. But now books are 
perfect for me. Well, back to books, I've got another phrase. And I don't know how you can tell me if this is a well-known phrase or not, but mm-hmm. I learned this one when I bought this book many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'll, the reason is, well, I'll, let me tell you what it is first. Ban men nong fu. Oh, right. That's a S- common one too. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. The reason I like this is uh, for the people who don't understand, this is about a, a carpenter mm-hmm. who thinks he's pretty good at carpentry. So he's showing off his skills in front of the house of a master carpenter. And so he's kind of a little bit embarrassed himself he just doesn't realize that the master carpenter is so much more advanced than him mm. that even his his pretty good skills look paltry in comparison to the master carpenters right the reason the reason I liked this one when I first got this book many many years ago is because my dad was a master carpenter wow and I used to like try to use his tools to build things for myself mm. I was in college and I was like dad can I build a bookshelf and he's like yes uh-huh. so I went I bought all the stuff and I was on, on the lawn at his house with his tools and he's just sitting in a chair watching me and as I'm trying to build the bookshelf he would occasionally come over and say no no don't do that do it do it this way and so Mm. I actually learned a lot about the structural integrity of a bookshelf which I did Mm. I thought it was just like wood on the side right wood on the back no shelves nails and he it was actually much more complicated than that even for something as simple as i know well there's certain places where the wood needs to lap so it needs to this piece of wood needs to overlap that piece of wood not the reverse otherwise it will fall in one way or the other because the structure will not be balanced okay do you still have all your fingers? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Okay, that's good. I, I didn't know that it was, you know, too complicated. It, it, it seems more like just manual work. Yeah, it's... But I guess, but carpentry in general, I think it, it you have to be really, really, really smart mm. um, to do it well, uh, to design things well, because there evolves a lot of, uh, what do you call it, spatial thinking? Yeah. Like you need to be able to visualize different shapes, and you know when you turn it around, it would it would be like, like I have like zero <laughs> <laughs> talent in this. Like if you you know give me a, a certain shape, I don't know if that's true. And say turn it ninety degrees to the left, and I'll be like I don't know what it looks like now. <laughs> I think the uh, maybe the words like you know the degrees and things may be challenging for you, but as someone who loves reading stories and books, I imagine that you must sit around a lot visualizing what's going on in these. Adventures for yourself, and so your I imagine your your imagination must be broad. It's in another field <laughs> that does not involve anything that has to be precise. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I mean, I've okay. seen videos of ancient carpentry, like um, mm. when they build temples or um, structures, uh, carts without mm. nails mm. like they just yeah the chinese the chinese temples mm. they're so beautiful my dad did carpentry mm-hmm. and when i look up at the the ceilings and the roofs and i look at all of the overlapping bits and i can't understand mm. how it all goes together it's so complicated and intricate so for us we would just you know probably rely on lots of nails like by the end of the uh the the construction like half of our houses would actually be metal like mm. nails mm. <laughs> that's how we hold things together but there are people you know master carpenters they can do it without nails they'll just cut the wood um slice it in ways that can fit perfectly mm. together almost seamlessly mm. and won't mm-hmm. pull mm-hmm. apart you know, I've seen them on video, but it, it takes so much imagination. Mm. And also they're, um, they can do things that 
they would ca- carve like one block of wood in layers. Mm-hmm. Have you seen? I think you've you know you go to like these、uh, museums or maybe even the Forbidden City.、Mm-hmm. There are these、uh, lion statues, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And very often they will have like a ball inside the lion's mouth. Yeah, yeah, right. And then you look at the if you look at the ball, there's like layers. Inside the ball、mm-hmm. that can tur like that can twirl. Yeah, they are all like loose layers, one inside the other.、Mm-hmm. They're like those Russian dolls, but except they're all round and without gaps. So the, how I don't know how they carved it. Maybe we need to describe it better for our Western listeners.、Yes. These the mouth of these lions is smaller. The opening is smaller than the size of the ball inside of their mouth. All right. So the the ball cannot be removed、mm. and was carved inside of the lion's mouth. So as the The sculptor was cutting into the rock. They left a hunk in the middle of this mouth, what would be the mouth of the lion,、mm. and then carved that into this intricate ball. So it was never placed inside; it was、mm. just carved inside. But it can move around. Yeah, yeah. It won't fall out. And then inside this ball、um, are like few more layers of, I guess, round balls.、Mm. And they can all turn around inside,、mm. but they can't get out.、Mm. So I mean, that's probably already pretty basic、mm. compared to the deeper stuff. I'm sure there are videos about these, like、um, ancient structures and carpentry work.、Mm. So, wow, interesting. We can go deep with this. We can do. We can do like a whole series when it comes to <laughs> idioms, both Chinese and English. Well, we barely did ten or fifteen of them, and we have、mm. hundreds. So, like, oh, here,、um, I、yeah. don't know how much time we have, but. Can I squeeze in a few more? Go ahead.、Uh, good ones. Absolutely. For example, if you want to say someone's work is superb, right? Like mm-hmm, it ranks mm-hmm. top, number、mm-hmm. one, number two.、Um, you can say that's 数一数二数 means to to count, but it's also the same character as number.、Mm. But when you say number, it's 数 right? So math would be 数学啊，但是数数 it gets so confusing. It means to count. It sounds a little different. So this is the same. As、uh, count number one and count number two, like your work is so good that it ranks the top. It,、uh. It's is it reckoned to be first or second in place. You know, one of the best.、Hmm. So you can say your article、um, is shu yi shu er. You know, among the best. Well, I have one that I want to share because it's similar to an English phrase. I'm gonna probably say this wrong. Ru yu de shui.、Ah, so this is、right. this is about um. Having a so this is, means to feel just like a fish in water,、mm. and the idiom me, is used to describe finding a boon companion or ideal situation.、Mm. So in English we have almost the same phrase,、mm. like a fish fish to water or a fish in water.、Mm. That means someone who suddenly fits into a situation perfectly.、Mm. So say you have a son or a daughter, and they like kind of like drawing or painting, and you bring them to a place where they can paint on an oil canvas, and they just、right. immediately. Like take to doing it really well.、Mm. You would say like a fish in water because that boy or girl is suddenly able to just express what they've really wanted to express for a long time. They can do something so well, so naturally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 如鱼得水 It sounds.、Uh, I think it sounds beautiful too. Like a fish that just got water.、Mm. The opposite of out of one's elements. 
I remember this. Mm, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. You, you've you picked some hard ones. I just picked the ones that sounded, because I read the whole book through getting ready. What? But, really? I, but I didn't memorize the Chinese. I just was looking for mm. ones where there were English equivalents or similar similarities. Mm. Uh, another one. You are, you know, you're, you've been so great at saying these. Like, I can hear them. I understand them right away. Um, here's a, another Thank word, you. idiom, you can use to compliment somebody. And it's, it involves number five, which is mm. wu. So this mm-hmm. goes wu ti tou di. <laughs> it means wu ti. Um, I, I think it's like throwing your body on the ground. <laughs> it gives me the image of someone meeting someone mm. uh, he ex- uh, admires so much so that he you know throws himself on the ground and probably like bows toward the master. Uh. Something like that. Um, so, you know, it just means to fully admire someone. You, we can say, you know, I admire him. So, oh, put head down. Yeah, means to throw. It's like throwing yourself on the ground and in admiration for a master. Because you have kowtow in the history of China where you would bow and touch your head to the floor for your to respect your parents mm. or to respect the emperor. Yeah, yeah. Grandparents. Yeah. So, yeah, this, I think it's uh, similarly related to that. Mm. Wow. Well, you know, absolutely, we could do an entire series on this, but this is all the time we have for this particular episode. So I suppose it's been an hour already. I don't know how <laughs> many we mentioned, like maybe over 10. So I think I think we made more than 10. I think we got more than 10. Yeah, but... we have a couple of thousands left. No worries. <laughs> we have more time in the future. The point of the thesis of why I wanted to do this with you is I think there are a lot of similarities in the language mm. of English and Chinese where we've borrowed from each other. Or maybe we've made similar idioms mm. about the same ideas that may be slightly different. So I think it's really mm-hmm. an interesting way for us to literally bridge our cultures by using our language together. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jason, for elevate for elevating our show to that level well, thank you and uh, we can have definitely have more of this in the future well thank you jason and thank you our listeners we'll see you next time thank you bye-bye, bye-bye.